you're trying to launch, let the Lord complete the work <laughs> so that the message is accurate, amen? He's a God of total deliverance, not halfway, amen? amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's right. Well, we've been announcing a lot this weekend of just the various things or to begin to speak, spoke to me, you know, using the parable of the talents found in Luke and Matthew, Matthew 25, Luke chapter 19, slightly variant, different differences in them, but obviously it speaks about the reward and the multiplication, that we are both believers, everybody in this room, the hand of the Lord made you, formed you in your mother's womb, gave you an assignment, a divine purpose, a calling, Gave you gifts and talents and abilities. He distributed to every single one of us. Amen? Not one of us has been left out. And if you poll the average believer, we all feel like we're the guy with half a talent. So we don't know who the person is with ten talents, but when we meet them, I think, you know, we'll know. Amen? <laughs> but we all feel like we're the one at the bottom of the barrel. So the question is about how you feel. It's not how you feel. It's what you decide to do with today and every day that God gives you. You might not feel like you got a talent, but you do have a talent because he said you have a talent and he's not a man that he should lie. Amen. Amen. And so whatever you can do in this world, do it unto the Lord. The Bible says we do everything unto the Lord. And I believe for a believer that wherever you get called to, and I was dealing with this, there's such a hyper fear that's been gripping people's hearts. They don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss God. So can I take this career? Can I can I take this job? Can I do this? And, and at the end of the day, you boil it down. It comes down to the Lord's desire for your life is he wants you to be joyous and he wants you to be happy. He wants you to be blessed. He wants your children to be blessed. He wants you to know that he loves you. And so I would venture to say that there's a lot you can do that God will extend his blessing on. In fact, he said in his word, you can place your hand to the plow and I will prosper you that I will bless whatever you place your hand to. Amen. So go fully with all of your heart in that saying God's got me God's got me amen God's got me another night when I was talking about this I was talking about the angels on our side and that smacked me I'd exploded from me when I started I was saying basically we have employees that work for us there are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. The angels of God are standing, and when we open our mouth and declare a thing, it's like they're released and they're waiting at heaven's gates for a believer to step up and say, man, I have had it. This is a, a draw a line in the sand. This thing is, this, this, where I am today is the worst I will be for the rest of my life. Amen? I'm going into new territory, and this whole weekend's about territory. Amen? And I think I'm just going to roll with the message tonight, you know. Um, we announced we're going to be launching a second campus, and at the end of the service, we'll be taking up an offering towards that. The River Kissimmee will be launching here as swiftly as we can. Hopefully in the next couple of months, we're going to take territory in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're in Kissimmee or you got relatives in Kissimmee, spread the word. The river is coming, and it is going to explode in that region. We're going to bless them when it comes to the time to do it, and I know that God's with us. But when I, came, when I got into the ministry, my wife alluded to it this morning, I was pressing into the Lord because I, I came from a ministry that was very well established. And when a ministry is very well established, what you have in an established ministry is multiple callings, multiple assignments, multiple anointings that all come together to further a vision. Amen. 
So you have strong evangelists submitted to the, to the church. You have a church. You have pastoral oversight. Uh, 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 apostle, apostle, uh, apostolic, what is it? I don't even know. Apostolic, whatever. Oversight. You have all of these things working. And so this, it becomes an army and a movement so big that they can do so much. There's a multiplication that takes place. And then when you launch from that, you're by yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you were, it's like when you grew up in mom and dad's house and they had everything and then you move out and you're like, praise God, I'm out on my own. And you're like, I don't even have a pot. I, I took it for granted, all the frying pans my mother had. I opened my fridge and it's empty. It doesn't stock itself. What, what is wrong with my refrigerator? You mean I actually got to go down to the grocery store with a list and figure out ingredients? That takes way too much foresight for me. And so all these things, and that's how it was when I launched in the ministry. I was trying to do everything. I was trying to go out on the streets, lay hands on the sick. I was trying to catch people, prophesy, be an apostle, be a... I mean, I was trying to do everything that I saw. And before long, I began to realize I can't do it all. Come on. So it put me in a time of prayer, just seeking the Lord. Like, okay, God, well, I've chosen ministry, and I knew that. Come on, somebody. God gave me a free will, and he said multiple times, you choose. You can choose business, you can choose ministry, whatever you want to go after. So the Lord painstakingly taught me free will. You have free will. No one held you at gunpoint to come here tonight unless you have a really good friend that knew you needed Jesus. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) The one person on the third row looks a little duress right now, like there's a gun to their side. Amen, brother. So, so I was pressing in, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Caleb, I want you to get the church ready. You know, when, anytime God says anything to you, the longer you meditate on it, God can say in a sentence that is a lifetime of revelation in one sentence of God. He's the only one that can do that. But you meditate, God can say one word, and you can meditate on that for 10 years, and there's so much revelation that comes from a single word from God. And it's like it's a living word, so it's applicable in all seasons and everything that you go through. It's an ageless word. It does not die. It does not dwindle. It has power for all eternity. When God declares it, when he said, let there be light, lights took off and light never stopped. Amen. 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 That's our God. And so the Lord said, get the church ready. And I begin to chew on that and chew on that and all of these things. And ultimately now I stand as a pastor. And as a pastor, my job is... I've got to prepare the church for eternity. The last thing you want to do is is go out and dominate in this world and have success in this world and do nothing for eternity. Because it's coming, my friend. No man has promised tomorrow. He said, I'll give you a long life, but he's the author of that long life, so he dictates that. You don't know when your veil will be lifted and you'll stand before the Lord. Eternity will come for all of us. Whether we get caught up in the rapture or we all go separately, it's coming. And when it comes, you will stand before God by yourself. I will not be there. No pastors will be there unless, you know, nobody will be there. Not even your spouse, not your children. No one will be there but you and God. 
And on that day, your life will be tried by the fire, the Bible says. And most of our lives will be the wood, the hay, the stubbles. That's all the things that we do for this temporal world. But the things that have value, the gold and the silver and the precious stones, are those things that we did for eternity. And the Bible says clearly that there will be some that when their life is tried by fire, they will have nothing left. They will still enter into heaven, but as one that is scarcely saved, basically. They get in by the skin of their teeth. My desire as a pastor is not for you to barely get into heaven. You know, that's not your goal. Man, if I could raise up a big group of people that skate in barely. (laughs) Paul, what did you do? Did you see that group there with nothing to show for their life? That's all me, baby. (laughs) Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Paul. No, your desire is, and if you, have a, if you have the character of God, your desire actually is always towards other people. And so my desire as a pastor was never, when I went in the ministry, and I'm not knocking this, I'm not knocking people that have this. I've heard many ministers, they had visions of stadiums and, 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 and massive fields, and I never had that. God never showed me a vision of a stadium. I didn't see massive fields and seas of people. I mean, I just went with a burning desire and a passion and a love for people, knowing that if they could just meet Jesus like I met Jesus, if he would just show up in their life like he showed up in my life, everything would be better. And then they would be able to follow his voice and the voice of a stranger they wouldn't follow. you got to be ready for eternity. And the parable of the talents talks about what you do here on earth What you multiply when he returns, that's the second coming of Christ. When he comes for you and he takes you with him, he says to the one that was faithful to multiply, that had the ten and multiplied ten, I'm going to make you a ruler over ten cities. We're talking about eternal rewards here. Come on. That's awesome, right? This life is but a blip and it's gone. But eternity is a very, 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 very long time. What did Antonio define it as? It would be, what, how'd you say it? If you were to empty the ocean with a fork, <laughs> with a fork. <laughs> and you could only do one fork load per day, per year. Oh my God. So one fork load per year to empty the oceans of the world and you still haven't scratched eternity. Come on. It's a long, 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 long time. You got to be ready for that. It's coming. What is your life going to show for? And I'm, we're not talking about going in the ministry. We're talking about being a person that is not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That if it comes down to it, if you're going to line us up at a firing squad, pull the, squad, pull the trigger, because I'm not denying Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. If you're going to throw me in a, in a fire, I'm going to hold up two fingers because he's more than enough. And I am not, I am not backing off of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And look at what happened just with the fear of media and the pressure. People backed off just from that alone. I mean, if that's what it takes, just, a, just somebody writing an article about you and you back off of Jesus, you need to meet him once more and you need to get that fire lit once more. Amen? Amen. Be ready for eternity. Live for eternity. When you live for eternity, you don't have to be brought into the pastor's office and scolded for the things that you're allowing in, because you're always thinking of eternity. When you screw up, you go before the Lord yourself, and you're like, God, please don't hold that against me. Let the blood of Jesus come afresh on me. I repent. Father, from my head to my toes, I want to live right, act right, walk right, be right. I need you in my life. Come on. 
That's preparing yourself. That's why the scripture says everyone works out their own salvation in fear and trembling. It's a process. It's the renewing process. It's the constant work of Christ on the inside of me. It's going through all the junk of life, everything that wants to weigh you down, the offenses, people that hurt you, people that this. And is that going to be enough to take you out or are you going to stay the course? And I'll venture to say the American church, many of them follow people and not Christ. And what I mean by that, that if their pastor falls, many in the church drift away too. You cannot live like that. Come on. If I, if I fall away, you better have a fire on the inside of you to say, I'm still following Jesus. I'm going to pray Caleb back from the pit of hell. Come on. I mean, you got to get a real relationship with Christ Jesus. We're not playing games. The devil is not playing games. You think he's going to let anybody skate through? No, he's going to throw whatever he can, including the kitchen sink at you, to talk, take you out. But you will not be taken out in Jesus' name. Amen. we got to get ready for eternity. We also have to prepare the church for a move of God. Are you ready for a move of God? Asbury, you know, you look at it. It wasn't fancy evangelists. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. It was just a group of people that took the time to press in. What does it take for revival? It takes you to lay down the rest of your life. It takes you to say, you know what? No soccer practice this week, kids. We're going after the move of God. No baseball this week. We're going after the presence of God. It takes that. That's what it takes. Come on, somebody. That's why you see oftentimes revival break out. 2020, revival broke out everywhere. At least, you know, anyone that would stand because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> it was easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, what else are you going to do? Everything's closed. You can't go there. You can't do that. So I'm going after God. And God responded. It literally is that easy. God's not complicated. And God does, God's not up there saying, oh, checking tally marks and saying, when I get, when you get over a hundred people interested, then I'll, and then I'm going to really pour out. Right. That's not how God moves. God's not fickle. God's not shallow. Yeah. And God responds to a hungry heart. Amen. Amen. You'll be ready for a move of God. What does a move of God look like? It disrupts your life, man. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I've been a part of extended revivals where you don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> you don't know if it's up. You don't know if it's down. You don't know what city you're in. You know where you're at. I mean, it's like total, the, your whole life is in the presence of the Lord. And it comes with that price tag of what it looks like of sacrifice. And let me tell you, I've been in these meetings and I've realized in meetings, when you go 50 days in the presence of the Lord, everything you think you're sacrificing to go after God, when it's over, you turn back and everything that you were doing, God's done for you. Yeah. And it's better off now that you've, you went after God than it was before you ever went after God. And testify, businesses would explode, restaurants would multiply. I've seen the blessing of God. When people go after God's presence, he said it, and he's not a liar. If you go after me first, everything else you could strive for in this world, I will give it freely unto you. Amen. amen. Do you believe it? Say amen. amen. Preparing your heart for a move of God. Are you hungry for God is really what it comes down to. And hunger is something that you steward. you got to steward your own hunger. You can, I can't get hungry for you. You've got to steward your hunger, and the way you lose your hunger for God is by replacements. It's like if you were, if anybody in here, if you were going out for a fine steak dinner, hopefully you wouldn't be silly enough to eat a ding-dong from Wawa. They're called ding-dongs, yeah? Yeah, those little cakes. To eat a ding-dong from Wawa and a bag of Cheetos 
just before you go to all-you-can-eat steak buffet. Hopefully you'd have the sense, I don't want a ding-dong or a Cheeto. I'm going after the real deal filet mignon. Come on. And that's the same with this world. The, The world has many, many substitutes. Many, many substitutes that, that will placate you and make you feel that feeling, that euphoria, whatever, but it is just a substitute, and when it's gone, it's empty, but everything in God lasts for eternity. Amen. We were talking just the other day, me and Pastor Joe, about this, that I, I preached in a Filipino church in Alaska, and the pastor, the pastor came to me, and he said, man, in the Philippines, our church ran thousands of people, and he said, every Sunday... Every service, we saw tumors fall off of people. We saw broken bodies be healed, like bones come back together. We saw blind eyes. Every Sunday, miracles flowed in the place. He said, I felt the Lord call me to America. I moved to America. He said, I thought I was backslidden or I missed God or it angered him because it is so difficult to see a miracle in America because we put God at the bottom of the totem pole. We'll listen to a doctor online you've never met before you listen to Dr. Jesus. You'll Google it and do everything Google tells you before you'll go to the Word of God. Come on, somebody. You know it's true. That's what happens. We have so many substitutes. We'll get to God when we've ran out of all other options. What an insult to God. And then we're like, well, why is America going downhill? I'll tell you why America's going downhill. It was a nation birthed in revival. And you want to you bring it back, you got to go after God. God is the only one that can heal a nation. His word declares it. The river of God brings healing to the nations. We're believing for that. Come on. And if everybody begins to do their part, they'll do it. And then you got to get ready for all hell to break loose. I've got to prepare the church for hell to break loose too. Come on, because in the midst of revival, what, the, the enemy's going to come like a flood. Famine, wars, rumors of wars, quakes, crazy things, upheaval on the streets. I mean, the, the plan of hell is to destroy the nuclear family. Yeah. Tear them apart, let everybody be born in a broken home, let nobody even know who their parents are, let everybody be abused by the time they're 10 years old, let perversion to be shoved down their throat, let such confusion to happen. That's happening all around us. And so you got to prepare people now for that. Like, you got to stand against wicked things. Yeah. And there's some things you didn't even want to talk about. Yeah. Right? When I was a kid, we did, that was, you never even heard these things. Yeah. My God. Worst we had was cross-dressers. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not trying to get coarse or whatever tonight, but I'm just telling you the world is perverse. You see the videos, and it's in absolute horror what's going on right now. People are just lost their ever-loving mind. Hell wants to break loose on this land. And he wants to, World War III, they want World War III. Let bombs fall in, across America. Let upheaval, let starvation, let businesses close. Let food shortages happen. Let everything break down. They want, that's their plan. But let me tell you, you've got to be ready for that so that even if, Hell broke loose. Your faith is still in Christ Jesus. You believe in prosperity. You believe in blessing. But you also know whether I have a lot or I have a little, I am well supplied through Christ Jesus who is my sufficiency. Amen. 
You can take it all away. My food will multiply in Jesus' mighty name. You can come and threaten me to gunpoint, but if you pull the trigger and it ain't my time, that bullet will find another home besides this body because this body is a temple of the Most High God. And He is the one, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of my life. Not you and not any other man. You can't write my end. My end is held in the hand of God. you got to stir that up within you. To know, bless God, war could break out, but it is not going to take you out unless it's the time you're supposed to go. There's peace in that, you know what I'm saying? Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is having him with you in the storm. And I know that's cliche, but it works. I'm not trying to be that $2 preacher right now. Hey, take a picture. Put a quote line, Pastor Caleb dropping them fire bombs. Mic drop. <laughs> I hate being cliche, but it works. It is knowing that. Peace is. Hell can break loose, but a person with Christ Jesus on the inside knows a thousand can fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. He knows that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm blessed in my coming and I'm blessed in my going. And he is my shield. He is my buckler. He is my strong tower. He is my hiding place. He is my source. He is my life. He is my everything, my all in all. I follow Christ Jesus. And if every one of you abandoned me, he would not abandon me. Whoo! Jesus, you got to be ready for things. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the move of God? And it brings me to what I want to talk about tonight because as, the, as I pressed into the Lord and the Lord took me from a traveling ministry to become a, a pastor, and it was a heart change within me. God didn't force it upon me. It was a heart change within me that I was feeling it and actually began to pray concerning it. The Lord led me into it. And I asked the Lord concerning that, obviously, a few things. Teach me how to pastor. I still don't know if I'm that good at it, but I'm here. Amen. And, <laughs> and I began to talk to the Lord about that. And God spoke to me. And I want you to hear this. He said, Caleb, the end time move of God, the final move of God, will be carried on the backs of strong local churches. I remember when he said that to me, because growing up in revival, so to speak, and traveling as I did, I'll just be honest with you, I didn't have a great respect for the local church. I had like a, the local church is dead, and they need me to come in and ignite them, and I didn't know half of what pastors endured, I didn't know everything they were going through, I didn't know it, and at the end of the day, a move of God, if you look at the nations, you can have keynote speakers into churches, and a great crowd will come. And then that, that keynote speaker goes away and the crowd disperses. And at the end of the day, are they changing a city or are they just writing, you know, popularity? Paul wrote in Romans saying, my ambition has always be, been to preach the gospel where no other man has ever preached it and not simply to go where others have established churches. That was Paul's desire. He said, my ambition is to go where no one goes. And to produce something that has not yet been produced there. 
And I'm not knocking it. That's how ministry is built. you got to travel. you got to preach in churches, raise your offerings to fund your everything. That's just the way the world works right now. I'm not knocking it, but I'm saying I did that, and I didn't have a love for the church. Really, I didn't. I loved people, but I didn't love the church body. I, I loved a person, but I didn't love the church. And it's the church that is the bride of Christ. Yeah. Yes, we are, but it's, the, it's, the, it's us together. That he calls the bride. And don't you know he wants to protect that bride. I mean everybody in here knows. When you got your woman. You're going to protect your woman. That's how it is. God wants to protect the bride. And, and when the Lord spoke that to me. I began to realize. That it was the beginning of falling in love with the bride. And understanding. You look at our problem as a church. And, and I've said this many times. But uh, uh, you've probably heard it before. But I was watching this video. And I'll never forget this video. It was this water buffalo in, in Africa. You never see those? And this water buffalo is squaring up against a rhinoceros. It's pretty stupid. And so they're like, they're like going to town, and they start fighting, and the rhinoceros comes, and it guts this, uh, this um, water buffalo right in the side. He's bleeding, and he's still fighting, and they're fighting, 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 and all of a sudden, a herd of water buffaloes comes around. And I was like... Oh, the rhinos are going to have the pack now. This boy, he's got his boys, and they're about to go, you know, car full of white boys. There's no doubt. <laughs> My old, old school hip-hop just came out. I apologize. Quoting Haystack, Mac Millions in church. <laughs> car full of white boys. There's no doubt. No. These buffaloes come around, and I'm thinking, now the rhinoceros is outnumbered. And all of a sudden, the buffaloes turned on the injured buffalo and started attacking their own, trampled him to death, and the rhinoceros just walked away. And as I watched it, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, that looks an awful lot like my church. That it's like we have a room, sorry, we don't have a room full, not this church. We have a world full of Facebook prophets, where everybody has the access to correct everything. God used flawed people. There has never been a perfect minister. There will never be a perfect minister. Every minister and every person from prophet to apostle to pastor has their own, you know, shortcomings, stupid things they did. Thank God for the grace of heaven. Thank God for his mercy. And understand this, our job is not to attack one another. Our job is to stand together for the move of God. Amen. 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 And as I always say, if, there's, if a minister did something, text them. Say you're praying for them and, and standing with them and, and, and that. But if you don't have their number, it means you don't know them. Right. So don't talk about them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Settles the issue right there. Yeah. If I don't know you, I can't talk to you. And that I'm not an expert on every matter, and I wasn't there in the room, and I don't know what's going on, and I know how people twist things. Right? right? Oh, yeah. And so you've got to be prepared. Get the church ready. Get ready. God loves the church. God has a plan for the church. He said in his word, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. See, everything I talked about, everything that God wants to do in this hour, there's a very real enemy of the church. And it's not the media. It's not the Democrat Party. It's not the Republican Party. 
It's not false prophets alone. It's not, it's not the enemy. The enemy of the church is the devil. He hates the church because we're the ones that have a covenant with God. We're the ones that have that relationship. We're the ones that have access. We're the ones that have the Holy Spirit. We're the ones that have all the promises. Everything that he wanted, he was taken from him and it was given to the church. Are you with me right now? He wanted to exalt himself to be right beside God or even above God. Well, he was kicked out of heaven. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as of lightning fall from heaven. He cast him out, and then he came to this earth. He died so that every single one of us, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the finished work of the cross, have been made brand new creations, called into the family of God. We are now in this family, brought to a table we shouldn't be at, and every blessing, every spiritual blessing, and all authority has been given unto the church of Jesus Christ. Come on. Now, there's, we don't feel it, you know what I'm saying? We don't walk, we don't, like, I don't feel like I got authority. Because I complain a lot and it never changes anything. Well, I feel like I'm going through this. You don't feel like it, but feelings are fickle, bro. It's not about how we feel, it's about what he says. And you got to stand on that. And then when you stand on it, the devil will flee the premises. The Bible says, resist him, come on resist the devil resist the devil and he will flee from you and the bible says in the old covenant seven different ways the devil will run from you look at your neighbor and say the devil, the devil. come on say it with passion the devil, the devil. is terrified yeah. of you oh I'm the devil's worst nightmare, bro. When he goes to bed at night, he looks under the bed to see if I'm hiding under it. He's got a nightlight in hell hoping Caleb doesn't come out the closet tonight and kick him one more time. The devil is defeated. He's beneath your feet. Come on, somebody. He's beneath your feet. He's a loser. He's a liar. He's beneath you. He's lost his grip. He's lost his hold. He's lost his power. He's dethroned. He's deceited. He's beneath you. Hallelujah. Woo, Jesus. So huff, puff. Wear yourself out. I'm just going to be over here dancing in the glory of the Lord. The rain of heaven falling on me and the blessings overtaking me. When you steal from me, guess what? You're coming and paying me back sevenfold. So do you need a loan, devil? Because I'll give you something right now so you can work for me all the days of your life. Because I am a child of the living God. Oh, my God, my God. I feel fire in this place tonight. Jesus. Oh, my God, my God. He's defeated. He's a loser. He's a liar. I don't know why my voice is so high. He's a loser. He's defeated. There we go. 
Now, all the battle, all the attack, everything going on. There's physical manifestations because, think, I'll put it to you this way. Here's why we have meetings like this. This is why we press in like we do. We all understand and recognize a person can be possessed by the devil. Right? For Charles Manson, that dude had passengers. Everybody agree? Wave your hand at me if you're with me right now. We all believe, we understand this is a biblical truth. A person can be so fully possessed by hell that they're not even in control of their own function. And so then they do wicked things. Person full of the devil, murders, doesn't even think about it, blackout, all sorts of perversion comes from that. Well, if a person can be fully under the power of hell, can a person not be fully under the power of heaven? Can we not get to a place and press in? <laughs> Where we are fully under the control of the Holy Spirit. Where our steps are literally ordered by God. Where our words flow out and we're like, what is, wow, come on. Caught up in the realms of glory. Caught up in the realms of heaven. Caught up into paradise unspeakable and full of glory. Where things are seen in the spirit realm that the mouth can't even put words to describe because it's greater. That's where we're going. That's what you prepare. That's what you stir yourself for. You know why you stir yourself for that? Because that moment, those moments, are moments that solidify within you the kingdom of God. See, a lot of people are going on other people's encounters, other people's miracles. It's another thing when you're the person that's caught up into that place and heaven's speaking to you and God's doing something with you and it's between you and God that it doesn't matter what goes on in the world or what even happens in the church. You know he's real. He's alive. You, 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 you know you weren't there the day. That heaven came into my room. You weren't there the day that the presence of God came upon me. You weren't there the day that he delivered me. You don't know where I have been and what he has done. You don't know the half of it. And I'm here to tell you, he wants to do it for everybody. And he wants to do it through the church. Shout church. See, we, we've got this idea where church has become all about pomp and circumstance, all about pleasing people. God never came to please people. He came to deliver people. Amen. He came to set them free. You don't even know what gives you joy. That's why people are miserable. Are you with me right now? We don't even know how to get happy. That's why we medicate ourselves with whatever we can. Pills, beer, drink. Oh, trying to numb myself. You don't even know and God knows. And when you come to him, then it begins to bubble up from the inside, and he transforms you from the inside out. The church is supposed to be a house where the glory of God resides. That's why church should be a place centered on worship. Amen? Amen. Where we worship, and the presence of God descends in the place. Man, there's so many people that worship is literally just the start of a service. There are places where they literally do worship, two worship songs, then they do a cover song of a secular song to reconnect with the people, to open them back up for the message. No! I don't want to go back into the secular. I don't want some melancholic spirit upon me. I don't want to listen to blind melon in church. I want to listen to the glory of God. I want to hear angels singing. Amen. 
I want to hear the trumpets of heaven. I want to hear the sound of stringed instruments the world doesn't even possess. I want to press past the veil of the flesh. I want to get caught up into the heavenlies. I want to exalt Jesus Christ. And I want him to hear everything that I have to say. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to shout it. I'm going to jump. I'm going to dance. See, when a place is open for worship, when you worship God, that is one of the most potent things you can do to shut your flesh down. I remember when I first started pressing into God, and I'd close my eyes, and I'd lift my hands and worship. The weirdest thing would happen to me. I would get migraine headaches in worship, not because the music was loud. It was like because my flesh was rebelling against my spirit pressing through. And every worship service, a pounding headache, and I would have to just sing past this migraine until finally I'd break past the migraine, the physical pain and torment, into the realms of the spirit, and the pain would disappear. And that went on for months when I was first in Bible school, pressing past that veil that, that I don't want to. Now's not the day. People are looking at me. What will they think about me? All these things, you have to press past that noise until you shut the noise down and you're in the room with God. And then what happens? And His presence just washes over you. And now you might be in a room full of people, but you're not really in a room full of people anymore. Now suddenly you're in the secret place with God. Oh, amen? And that's where visions, that's where insight, that's where understanding, that's where direction, that's where refreshment, that's where uh, 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 um, everything comes from His presence. And we're meant to be people of His presence. Once more, back to I said, if a person can be under the control of the devil, can't you be under the control of the Holy Spirit? Can't he get so rooted in you and you get so familiar with his presence that when he decides, I need to move, I need to send somebody there in Claremont, I need to find a vessel, and he knows I can pour it out, I can pour it out in Pastor Joe. He knows my presence. If I even just uh, impress upon him with an unction, he's going to yield to that unction and I can send him on a mission. The presence of God is everything to the church. It's everything. Why would we ever go to church when it's about him when he's not there? When I'm 50 and you throw me a party, I would be offended if I wasn't invited. Y'all all eating. Send me the bill. Great party. Next year, maybe we'll invite you to your own birthday party. And we do it all the time to God. It's all about his presence. And why that matters is because People, you got to understand that if he is the king of glory and he is the author and he is the finisher and he is the perfecter and he is the one in control and he is the great shepherd, then that means we come, we press in, and we do our best to jump into whatever he wants to do. Where do you want to take us today, God? What is it going to look like today? I can prepare. I can prepare. I can get his word written in my heart. I can press in in prayer. I can even ask the Lord, show me what's going to happen. Show me faces. Give me a word. Give me a flow. But there are times that you just got to catch the wind of God and realize that's where he's taking me. And it's life-changing if you learn to flow with the Lord. Learn to get out of your brain and into his and something supernatural happens. The presence of the Lord. And when you let the presence of God saturate the place, it becomes a house of joy. Because God is not a God of depression. And I thank God for the joy of the Lord. Because there are many things in life to get you down. 
There are many things to make you feel grumbly and complaining. There are challenges all the time. There are setbacks all the time. There is hell breaking loose. There is bad news that comes. You, you age. Your, your knee hurts, you know. You go bowling and you, you're, you're like this for three weeks from bowling. Like, my gosh, what happened to my youth, you know. I was a young spry guy. Not that I'm old now, but you, you know, start feeling like it and you don't want to say it, but you're like, you know, like my wife said today, when I'm pressing in worship, it costs me, you know, I jump for the Lord and Monday I'm like, man, Lord, I want you to know that was a sacrifice of praise. Hope you felt that, Jesus. I feel it now. Every time you squat and kneel before the Lord, you're like, no, you know what this is costing me, God. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, God, I know, I thank God you're a healer too, because here I go. Here I go, Jesus. Your word declares that though I may fall, you'll help me back up. I'm expecting that right now. You're going to help lift me back up before. Either that or I'll lay on the ground the whole service and just. Ready to get up? No, I'm good. Something's happening here. <laughs> joy. Joy is important. Amen. Thank God for his joy. Thank God for laughter. Laugh often. You know, laugh as much as you can. Learn to laugh at yourself, especially. Because everybody else is, too. So you might as well join the crowd, you know what I'm saying? Don't be the left one out. What's so funny? You are. You're the funny one. Join in. It's hilarious. I laugh at myself all the time. I love to crack jokes at my own expense because it's, it's delightful to me. <laughs> oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 Everybody, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength.
across the room and a serious person right now. It just, it just makes it even more joyful. And the, the joy is your strength. If you're a joyful person, that frustrates hell. Man, the devil can't stand a happy believer. He, he can't get you down. He never ruins your confession because you're too busy laughing. I'm going to get him today. I'm going to throw it at him. You're like, ah! <laughs> I've had to laugh at some storms, bro. That it's like, oh my, are you What? You have got to be kidding me. And it's either you cry or you laugh. And not the good cry, because there is a good cry. You know, everybody, we know the good cry where you're like, oh, you Jesus. It should be a place. The church should be a joyous place. It should be the happiest place on earth, not, not, not Disney World. And Disney World is a false advertiser, I'll tell you right now. All you got to do is walk the streets, and you know, that ain't the happiest place. Parents on the verge of divorce, kids about to get murdered in the line. <laughs> happy, happy. Enjoy a joyous place with the presence of the Lord. Breaks away into testimonies. God actually does something. Church is supposed to be a place where. God is doing things in people's lives, not we're always pointing back to what he did. Oh, he was the God of miracles back then. He wants to do it now. There should be tested churches, that place of constant testimonies. Miss Cookie being healed. You know, the, the power of God falling. Jessica getting delivered, you know, coming in stone, getting free. <laughs> now, now, I, you know, I, I didn't know all that when we hired her, but, you know. Lots come out since then, so you know, know those that labor among you. Apparently, I gotta take that, take, take that. No, I actually knew it all. <laughs> you know, on that note, we were pastor. We'd only been here about a year, and one day I go to the kids' church early morning. I was here early because I was at that time about a year. I was, I had, to, I did a lot, and there was a big bag of weed right at the kids' door. Somebody the night before had left their weed right on the, and it was expensive marijuana, like the, I know. <laughs> and it was right at the kid's door, and I was like, what is that? And I pick it up, and I'm like, thank God I'm here early, and I found it, lest somebody that came in, you know, halfway serving the Lord, Lord, if it's you, send me a sign. <laughs> I thwarted that devil real quick, flush it right down the toilet, Amen. Somebody in here right now is like, that was me. <laughs> I was wondering what happened. <laughs> Jessica, thinking the Lord had your number. 
You thought you made it home with it, but apparently. <laughs> Testimonies, man. Testimonies are life. You want to talk about the Lord. You want to talk about what he's doing. You want to remind yourself. You want to put it before people. We need to see with our own eyes, man, the wonders of God and know, yes, we believe without seeing, but blessed are those that do believe without seeing, which ultimately might be why the, the American church is so blessed, prospering and prosperity and blessing because we have to believe a lot without seeing what some of the nations are seeing. The, revi- the, the miracles that pop out there because there's such a, a hardness here in America in that soil, but we, the more you stir that up and cultivate that atmosphere, it becomes living proof. People can't argue with it. When they're looking at a person, they know this is what happened and this is what happened. Testimonies are the fuel of the church. We're talking about a force that Christ said, I will build that church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. Amen. Church should be a place that wins souls. Soul winning is what moves God. Talked about eternity. Souls is what you take with you. Be a soul winner. Everybody in here, you're meant to win souls. It's not difficult. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. It's just tell people, you know, that God loves you and has a great plan for your life. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ for all that would believe. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can be saved. Can I pray for you right now in Jesus' mighty name? It's that easy. People are opened up all the time. People listen. I mean, I just was watching a Turning Point USA of a guy was walking on the streets talking about what lesson should a guy learn from a one-night stand. And he was joking, asking people this. And he asked this young guy, what, what lesson should a guy have from a one-night stand? And the kid looked back at him and he said, repent and get saved and serve the Lord thy God and you'll never have that happen again. You need Jesus in your life. And the guy that was recording said, you know, you're right, I probably do need Jesus. Come on, somebody. God's raising up an army right now. Don't miss the opportunity to be a part of the greatest army on planet Earth. We are a ferocious devil stomping life changing heart renewing army of god we win souls and we kick the devil to the curb amen Amen. soul winning is the blood of the church amen it's not about getting other believers it's about getting people saved and then raising them up that's the best people to join a church and a church should be a place of generosity you want to find the most generous people on the earth it's the church of jesus christ Because when God has your heart, things don't have your heart anymore. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean? That means not that your heart, it it means your heart follows your treasure. That what you have on this earth, when you start putting it somewhere, your heart begins to follow. When you take natural things and you start putting it in the kingdom of God, your heart starts getting more entwined with the kingdom of God. Your heart follows the treasure. And when you release it into God's hands, that power, the power of, 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 of mammon, the, the rule in this world, the people, all that that rules in people, it's broken off of your life. It's shattering the curse. Come on. You're not living under the curse. You don't, you don't need anything and you've got everything because you have him in your life. Church is place, be a place of generosity. And then I'm going to keep rolling about it, about resisting the devil. But ultimately, the church is supposed to be a place of overflow. I want you to get this right here. We are meant to live in the overflow. 
There are too many people that are just drained all the time. And so that's why people will travel everywhere. There's even a a spigot of revival just to try and get a little taste. And that's not how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to, Jesus said, you don't have to go here and you don't have to go there. I'm right here. The kingdom of God is on the inside of you. It's about stirring that up in the inside of you. I rejoice when God moves around the earth. I rejoice when he breaks out in Kentucky. I rejoice if it breaks out in Australia. But I have him with me right here, right now. Hallelujah. I've been in thousands of revival meetings. And what God is doing in the river, I would mark it at the top of the list, bro. This weekend? Are you kidding me? It's like the glory of God's a nuclear bomb in the place. You don't want to leave. We, we pushed it to 11 and people are still just hanging out. I'm like, go home. Get some rest. They don't want to go home. Why would you want to leave the presence of the Lord? Live from that overflow. Live from the overflow. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of overflow. Your cup runs over. God never said, I'll give you enough. He said, I'll give you more than enough. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. He is the overflow, the El Shaddai, the more than enough, the, the, the one that is excessive in all that he does. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And when we resist the devil, number one, one area he flees from your life is financially. We've been talking about this, and I want to stir it up. If there's a plan to break the back of the American people financially, then the church has got to hit this. Yes. Come on, somebody. Yes. we got to smack this devil in the head. The devil will not break the church. We will have more than enough in Jesus' mighty name. Yes. You resist the devil in this way. How do you do that? Deuteronomy talks about it. That, that you, you remember the Lord your God, for it is he that has given you the power to create wealth. You want to break and resist the devil's hold in you in the financial realm? You become a giver to God. You give to God. When you give to God, and I'm not, you, we're not even taking an offering right now, but hear me in this. When you give to God, it breaks that hold that money has on your life. It breaks the fear that it has on your heart. People live in constant fear of losing money. You can take money from me. I still have everything I've ever needed because I have the presence of the Lord. Amen, somebody. As Antonio shared, I've had meetings where we couldn't even pay the bill to get out of town. People would drive miles away to drop off an offering and turn around and leave the building. That's God. It might have been an angel, whoever it was, I thank the Lord that he's on my side. I have learned this in my life. God is your source. He's your source. Not the government, not your job, not your investments, not your crypto. That can all pass away, but a child of God still has a covenant with a multiplying God that makes the oil never stop flowing. And the meal will never run dry. Hallelujah. 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 My God, my God. Brother uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth tells the testimony of his granddad that in the, in the time of a downturn of food, food shortages, that they would pray every day and chickens would walk into the back of their yard and lay eggs, and then turn and walk back up the hill and disappear. And then the next day, a whole line of chickens would come down the hill, walk into their yard, drop all the eggs, and then walk up the hill and disappear. Every day, the chickens laid eggs. After months of this, the neighbor came down and says, I got these chickens that aren't laying any eggs. You want them? You can just have them, and you can eat the chickens. 
Those chickens were under command from the Lord. They weren't dropping eggs for just anybody. They were dropping eggs for a child of the Most High God that had a covenant with the Almighty. God will even make animals show up to provide a meal for you. Oh, grab a hold of this right now. You're not going under. You're going up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Resist the lie of hell. Resist him when he comes and tells you there's not enough. Resist him when he tries to put that fear in you of lack. You look him in the face and call him a liar. Because you said there's going to be lack, devil. Because you're a liar and all you can do is lie, you basically prophesied there's coming a surplus over my life. Hi. So keep on saying what you're saying. Because I'm going to have it in Jesus' name. I'll have a surplus. I'm blessed. It overtakes me. It's ridiculous. Hang out with me. Stakes manifest themselves. I'm telling you, it's good to serve the Lord. It's good to serve the Lord. God's a blesser. He says, faith begins at this. You've got to believe that I am and that I'm a rewarder if you seek me. That's it. Faith is that. Believing in the goodness of God and in the reality of God. So don't let that lying spirit trying to grip this generation in the church to convince you that God's not in the business of taking care of his bride. What groom would ever marry a woman and say, now forge out your own path. My wealth is my own and you don't have any of it. No. He says there's a curse on a man that doesn't provide for his household. And if he's my groom, if he's my master, if he's my God, he will provide for my household because he is not cursed. He's broken the curse. Resist the devil and watch him flee from your life. Now I'm going to go through seven areas because I want you to know this right now. There's a lot of people that get breakthrough in certain areas of their life and then placate the devil in other areas. And God didn't come to give you half a victory, a partial victory, 33% victory. He came to destroy every enemy of man and to give you absolute, total victory in all areas. And if you believe it, shout, that's my portion. Shout it loud. That is my portion in Jesus' name. Man, when you move ahead in business, move ahead knowing God's with you. If you move and you walk into a career, Walk into the career and confess over your life. This business will prosper because I work here. This business will excel. Every other business in this realm could go down, but this one will be like a shining light. And the hand of God on my life will sustain this place. Amen. And if you got a wicked boss that doesn't follow God and the thing tanks, guess what? Your anointing will take you somewhere else and there will be a blessing wherever you wind up. God will not abandon you. And the blessing on you is greater than the curse on other people. The blessing's always greater. The blessing's always greater. Sat with a business owner that I worked with as a medical IT recruiter. He took care of me when I launched in the full-time ministry. He said, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to honor what you're doing for God. And I looked him in the eye and I said, because of your faithfulness to partner with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you watch what God's going to do for you. 
Now that man had built up a dot-com business and had millions of dollars stole from him, barely had enough money to start this business, barely was able to get his life back around, dealing with hurt and, 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 and all these things in business. After I, he took care of us, it wasn't four years later he sold that business for $42 million. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. He still fondly thinks of me. I'm telling you, he does. He loved me. He was like, man, I tell you, you want people like Caleb working for you. Recognize us. They used to have fun Fridays where everybody drank wine, and he would buy me a bag of Skittles because he knew I didn't touch alcohol. And he was like, you got to be a part of the party, though. The blessing is greater than the curse. Resist the devil in this area. Remind yourself, it is the Lord my God that I have a covenant with. I don't have a covenant with the United States of America. I ain't cutting my blood and giving it to you, bro. You gave me a social security because you made me. But I'm not in covenant with the American, with America. I'm in covenant with the kingdom of God. America can decline. It can fall away. Everything can come in upheaval. But guess what? I will be taken care of. Let me tell you something. If a nuclear bomb hits, if the power outage goes, if you know my address, show up there because I promise you we're going to be feasting on the goodness of God. Amen. There will be more than enough in Jesus' mighty name. Show up at the church and watch. God will take care of it. God's good. Even when hurricanes hit, all hurricanes do is take out thousands of dollars of trees that we were going to have to pay to remove for us and make them fall away from the building. So I, my God controls the wind too, amen? He's good, and all the time he's good. Resist the devil. Resist him. Resist him. What does that mean? It means that you have to stand guard on this. It means that you will be challenged on it. It means that people will come and attack you for it. It means that people will label you for it. It means that every devil in hell that can try and convince you to give up and, and, and forget the blessing and forget the promises will come at you. It means seasons will try and be portrayed where the enemy will focus in that season to break your will in this area. But if you endure and you stand on the word of God and you remind the devil you are defeated, he will flee from you in Jesus' mighty name. And when he goes, breakthrough is right around the corner. Somebody shout amen. amen. Resist it mentally. Resist the devil mentally. Anxiety, depression, ADHD, every curse they want to speak over your mind. Everything anybody's done to leave trauma imprinted on your soul, every soul tie, you resist the devil and God severs every hold and every attack and every curse that has ever been uttered over you and he makes you brand new. Come on. Resist the devil in the mind. You will not have my mind. I will not be depressed. I will not be anxious. I will not be fearful. I will not be depressed. I will not be a victim. I am not a victim. I am a victor in Jesus' name. I remind you, devil, who you're talking to. I am not just a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. Because even while I sleep and even while I rest, the Lord my God is fighting my battles for me. Oh, you come at me, you better gear up and pack a lunch, big boy, because I'm coming out swinging with the word on one hand and the spirit on the other, and I have the mind of Christ. I think right, I live right, I walk right, I have right, because I am right, because he made me right, and he's on the inside of me. 
Man, I, I mean, it really meant to be teaching tonight. I apologize. <laughs> when I have a list, I envision myself calmly laying this out like a real astute person. And it never works. <laughs> but it just explodes within you. And so many people dealing with this. Kids, seven years old, getting prescription pills. Ritalin, Dexedrine, Adderall. Adderall is basically one chromosome different than crack. Kids are being put on crack at eight years old. You take your crack and stick it up your crack. <laughs> Not a single one of my kids will have any of that in Jesus' name. I don't care if they are skittish. It's because I gave them too much sugar and I stand by my performance. <laughs> They're still alive. They still know who dad is and everything's okay right there. Resist the devil in your mind. That's where it comes. Let me tell you, I'm, t I'm hitting this because I want you to get this because it's not. You can be in an atmosphere of breakthrough and you can still be bound. You can have five-sevenths of a victory in your life, but God doesn't want you to have five-sevenths. He wants you to have the whole victory. I mean, where you really win the mental battle is those times in the presence of the Lord when He speaks to you and you hear what He thinks about you. And it... it <laughs> It blows every argument against you out the water. And you're like, you think that about me? You know, when God, I've had moments when I'm like, God, what, what, why, why me? And he says, because I trust you. You know what that means? God, you that searches the motives and the intents of the heart say that you trust me? Thank you. I don't trust me. But you trust me. Which means I'm trustworthy because you know better than I know. Come on. You want to get the mind battle right? It's the Word of God. What is written in the Word of God? That is the sword of the Spirit. That is what cuts between the dividing asunder of the soul and the Spirit. That is how you win the mental. I resist you, devil, for it is written in the Word of God. And I will worship the Lord my God only. That I am his beloved, that I belong to Christ, that my life is not my own, that my body is able to be given as a living sacrifice, and I choose to do that now. And his word declares that if I receive him by faith, then by that gift of, of grace upon my life, I have been made a brand new creation. And all the old things, everything they did to me, everything they said to me, Everything I have endured is behind me and it is buried six feet in the ground and a new creation stands before you and that creation you cannot attach anything to because I am protected by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. You cannot bind me in my mind. I will be sharp all my days. I will think clearly all of my days. I will not have a muddled mind. Those of you that are dealing with it, you will not have a muddled up mind. You will not lose your focus. You will not lose your, your, your zeal. You will, not, you will live 90 years old and be able to quote things that happened when you were 12 years old. You will have a sharp mind all the days of your life. 
you'll quote the word, it will flow from your spirit and it'll just roll right out of you. People will sit with you and be in awe. How can this person say this and declare this and know this and be so sharp-minded? Because you have the mind of Christ and nothing escapes the Lord thy God. He knows everything. He's written it down. And you have access to that in Jesus' mighty name. Devil, you're a liar. I'm not a fool. I have been made wise by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The wisdom of God is mine because I asked God for it in faith, nothing wavering, and he gave it liberally unto me. I am not a foolish person. I am a wise person in Jesus' name. Come on. Resist the devil. He's a liar. He's a liar. I'm not what you say I am. I'm what he says I am. Socially, resist the devil socially. What does that victory look like? Stop hanging out with naysayers and mockers of God. Well, you know, I'm trying to reach them. They mock God, that's where you draw the line. Look, you can make fun of me, but you mock my father, I'm telling you, you're walking on thin line. And I'm out of here because I'm not standing around while you mock my life-giving God. He has blessed me. He has delivered me. He has transformed me. He has held me up. He has graciously forgiven me. He has washed me. He has empowered me. That's the Lord my God. Blessed are those. Don't don't sit with the mockers. Blessed are those that don't take counsel from the ungodly. Blessed are those that consecrate their lives and come out from among the unclean things and walk a pure life in the midst of darkness, redeeming the times by the power of God. Resist the devil in this your friends come and say let's go drinking again you can drink yourself into a hole but as for me and my house we have a drink you know not of oh it's like honey on your lips it gives me joy it gives me breakthrough it gives me delight I have it because he gave it to me not going into business with shady folks come on I don't want to go, the anointing on my life will cause it to prosper, and I'm not going to let something prosper with somebody that is unclean in what they do. Come on, church, realize this. If the church actually began to walk in this and realize we we don't entangle in those things, we separate ourselves, and the blessing together on the church would multiply so greatly, people would repent and come to the church just because of what we walk in. I see so many people hanging out with the wrong type of people. People that mock God, make fun of God, make fun of the move of God, make fun of people falling out, mock praying in tongues, joke about it. Young kids putting it out there online, boo making fun of it. Bro, you are walking on thin ice. You can make fun of me all day long. I'm just a preacher. That's okay. God won't really back that. He's like, you make fun of Caleb. But you mock the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you can do a lot, and it's forgiven you. You can even make fun of me, Jesus said. But if you mock the Holy Spirit, if you blaspheme what he does, that is a sin that is not forgiven. The church has gotten lackadaisical in that. Don't hang around people that mock the holy things of God. You really think God does miracles? You better believe he does miracles. You really think that God, that's God's joy? Absolutely. It's not natural joy. You can get that joy in the midst of, you can get that through people close to you dying. You can get it through wars, all sorts of stuff going on, and you can have joy bubbling up. Don't mock what God does. You really think that God does, why do people fall out? They fall out because the glory of the Lord is so strong, they can't stand. 
Come here, I'll shove you with all of my force, and you try and stand up. You can't. You will fall over. Well, if I can shove you over, can't God do a lot more than a little man can do? You just yield. Don't hang around those people. When I got saved, the Lord said, come out from where you're living because in two months' time, you'll be right back where I delivered you from because people don't want you to change. How many people, Scripture say, that the word is perfect, it comes on the seed, but the moment they walk out there, the devil comes to snatch that seed so it doesn't produce a harvest. How does he do that? It's not like you walk out and there's a red-headed devil out there like, come here. It's your old friend. It's, it's drunken Willie George. Not the preacher. I just came out of my mouth. Huh? He's a good guy. Let's go down to the bar and grill. Let's go one more last hurrah. Let's do this. Let's do that. No, I'm a brand new creation. And if you fall away, have the sense to know that was horrible and come back to God, repent, and get right again. Resist the, the devil in this. Don't just let him put a bunch of negative people in your life. Amen? Amen. Words carry power. They are seeds that are sown. There are people walking around with problems that you wouldn't have if you didn't have people declaring you that you have those problems. That's half of what psychiatrists do. They sit you down and convince you you have a problem. I didn't have a problem until I came in here. Now I got 12. Don't hang around with, with sketchy folks. My friends in Tennessee, when I got saved, they were like your best friends, like your brothers. I mean, they, we, were, we did everything together. When I got radically saved, now that word spread, Caleb's a Jesus freak, I was mocked, I was made fun of. Some of them would still talk to me, some of them just cut me off altogether, just avoided me altogether. Years later, I went to Bible school for three years, went to here, went to Oral Roberts University, I wound up running into a guy five, six, seven years later. And he was asking him, what's going on? I'm one of my best friends. And he said, man, you know, this is that, this is that. And we got going through it. They're literally all, they're, now they're 25, 26 at this time. They're dating high school girls. They're doing everything we did in high school. Nothing had progressed in their life at all. They were exactly where we were as 18-year-old losers. They were living it still. And I realized as they were talking that, I was like, and this person died and that person died. And I just walked away being like, man, thank you, Jesus. You've removed me from that life. I'm not living that life. These people are still trying to impress teenage girls to be the cool guy at the party. What? What a sad existence of a life. No wonder you drink so much Jim Beam. You're just trying to forget who you are. Because there's nothing worse looking at, look, worth looking at in the mirror when you look in the mirror. But when you get God, and you get surrounded with people, iron that sharpens iron. And you get surrounded with people that encourage you and build you up. People that are breaking into new horizons. People that are charging forth in the things of God. It's like you can't sit still anymore, you know what I mean? I don't know about you, but I want to be around those people. I want to surround myself with people that are more hungry for God than I am. You know what I'm saying? That's why I love Antonio. He'd come around me because every day he'll tell you two testimonies of what the Lord has done. Get friends like that. You're like, that's how he is every time you meet him. Let me tell you two testimonies, two testimonies real quick. 
All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Every time. <laughs> if you're going to get a friend, get a friend that brags on Jesus. Amen. Come on, somebody. Is this blessing anybody tonight? Talk about the church taking territory. How do we take territory? Number one, you win together. We win together. That's why church family is so important. Get a church family pressing into the things of God. So when you come in tired, their hunger makes you get over your fatigue and you press in with them. And I thank God for this church family because there are times I come in tired. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to stand there for worship. But then they're up there like, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy of it. Ha, he's worthy. And you're like, okay, 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 all right, all right, all right. I salute them. When they, when they do that, you know, when they start leaning and then they turn, oh, it's about to get lit. About to get lit. You didn't worship the Lord until your iPhone clicks. It looks like you're exercising. Do you want to record this exercise? Amen to that, brother. <laughs> 45 minute abs. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of it all. Huh. Huh. And then I, I'm an animated person, so in my mind I start envisioning the devil trying to like come up to intimidate you, and that's how you are. He's like, nah, I'm gonna leave that one alone. I'm gonna get that guy slumped over in the back row, watching football on his iPhone. I'm gonna get that guy. I'm going for the easy target in the back. Not that crazy hockey dancer up in the front row. <laughs> Get good friends, amen. Not that you don't love them, but you have enough sense that you're coming out from the world. I love you with the love of God, and I'm going to pray for you that you're going to get what I got. And every time you call me, I'm going to tell you what the Lord is doing. That's what your purpose to do. The same way Antonio gives, let me tell you what God is doing. Let me tell you what God is doing. Then they, they'll either hang up or they listen, and over time you start winning some to the Lord. But you don't go back to where you came from. You don't return to your vomit. You're not going to hang out with them to minister to them at the bar. They can come to your house and you can minister in your territory where the glory of God has saturated the place and you prayed in the Holy Ghost and His presence is in the house. Amen. Amen. Have wisdom, my friend. Don't be a fool. You're not a fool. You have the wisdom of God. And you're the one in control. Whew. You're worthy. You're worthy. Talk about total victory in your life. Amen? Amen? That's the territory you want to take. When you're walking in victory, everything in your life will be well. You'll have what you need to have when you need to have it. Sin. Resist the devil in sin. Resist the devil in sin. Don't let sin dominate your life. 
Don't let it win. You're dealing with sin. Repent, the Bible says. Some of that repentance, I've seen people get breakthroughs. You know how I've seen some people get breakthroughs? And I'm just telling you, they come forward broken before God, and it's like they pour out their heart. I want you to pray for me, Pastor. This is what's going on in my life. I'm sick and tired of it. I want this broken off of my life. And it's in the humility to confess their faults that it's like everything in the dark comes to light, and in the light is where God moves. And it breaks that power of sin off of their life. It destroys that yoke of bondage. It's no longer hidden. Now it's brought to light. And when it's brought to light, just like the prodigal son when he came, thinking the father's going to make me a servant. No, the father doesn't make you a servant. The father puts his arms out. He wraps his arms around you. He takes a robe, puts it on your back. He takes a ring, puts it on your finger. Says, I am giving you now the authority. I'm giving you the authority over this sin. I'm putting the robe of righteousness on you to cover that unrighteousness. You are my child and my inheritance is your inheritance and sin has lost its grip on you. Whoa, Jesus. Man, thank God. How miserable it would be to be a person sitting at home thinking how to sin. You sit at home and all you think about is revival, the glory of God. What's he going to do? Breakthrough over here. The only frustration is that you're waiting too long for the next big thing of God. Man, I feel like I'm waiting so long, God. I mean, I know patience is a fruit of the Spirit, Lord, but. <laughs> but how long is long to you? I'm just asking. I feel like I've had long suffering. I'm ready for long blessing. You're not over at home thinking sin, you know, I'm going to go out and do this, I'm going to do that. That's not even in your mind. Your mind's like, glory, God, revival, breakthrough, nations, nations, God, send me to Haiti. People are at home literally thinking where they're going to drink that night. You know, I wonder what bar is happening in town right now. I wonder where the honeys are at. Imagine that, 45 years old, still trying to figure out where the honeys are at. The honeys are in Publix. They're in the shape of a bear. Go buy it. Make yourself some sleepy time chamomile tea. Put yourself to bed. Wake up in the morning and start acting like a grown-up. Where the honey's at. I got my honey every day. Sweeten it up one teaspoon at a time. Don't want to overdo the honey. People bound up, still thinking sinful thoughts. Man, the devil's a loser. You take, you can tell, I tell people, and this is aggressive, this is probably a little bit too much for some people, but you know me, I, I always, there's a line and then that's where I am. <laughs> it's like if I was to set before you a filet mignon fresh off the grill and a plate of dog poop. No, it is. Which one do you want to eat? Hmm, let me think about this, you know. There is no thought. There is no, there is no debate. There is no, let me smell it. I don't, you get me behind me. You take your poop on down the road. I've had that. I know what that does. That leaves a stench that I don't want on me, and I've been made clean. I have been made the righteousness of God. Oh, my heart is free. My mind is free. My life is free. Hallelujah!
only thing I'm snorting is fresh air. Smell it. You know what, young kids, I'll tell you this. If you grab a hold of this right now, you will not have to go around any mountains in life. You will not have to go through anything like that. The staying power of God is just as power as his, is just as strong as his redeeming power. You don't even have to taste of unclean things. You can live pure right now, and I can tell you, if you live pure right, right now at 25 years old, you'll have what people have taken 50 years to produce. And God will give it to you. I'm telling you, there is a reward if you follow God. Sin is not worth the wages. I'm not paying those wages. I am redeemed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. First John 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I don't go to the world for advice. I certainly don't tune into the, the, the media to figure out what God is doing right now or what's really happening. I don't care. I don't need anything from the world. You can plan whatever you want to plan. You can strategize whatever you want to strategize. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so he is the one that will determine what happens in my life and through my life. I thank you very much. Amen. Amen. He said it. That solidifies it. I agree with it. I'll have what he says I will have. Amen. Amen. And he says great things are coming my way. Amen. 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 And I tell you this, and I know this is also cliche, not trying to drop another tweet. But there is truth that when you have been walking and serving the Lord, and your heart is clean, you know what I'm saying, your heart is pure, and you know it's pure, you know, you'll know if you've compromised, and if you have, you repent, but you know your heart's pure, your heart's clean, you've gone, you've searched yourself, you've allowed God, search me, oh God, you're always at that place, and you're still at that place of you're like, there's more, there's something, I'm not breaking through, I'm just frustration, or it feels like there's a well-organized attack coming against me right now. And it does bombard you, and it does wear you down in the soulless realm, so to speak. There is truth in saying this. There's, this is scriptural. The devil is not like our God. He is not everywhere at all times. He has limited resources. God has infinite resources. So the devil can only come for a season. When he came at, the, at Jesus in the wilderness... It says he came and he departed after that season. You want to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that season will flee when he goes and breakthrough is literally right around the corner. Amen. Do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap, says the word of God. Your reaping season is right after you press past this bit of season you're in, if that's you right now. I'm not saying everybody's in that season. We don't live in that perpetual state. We have great seasons. But if you're in that place, rejoice, 
understand God is still with me. God is on my side. Breakthroughs right around the corner. Gird yourself up in the things of God. Stir up your spirit, man. Confess from your mouth to speak the word of God over yourself and watch God move heaven and earth to break you through in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Grab a hold of that. And I want to bring it to this now. Resist the devil in this. I wrote legacy, but really it's generational blessing. Resist it. People live in stark fear. What was Job's fear? His fear was about his kids. He was given sacrifices for his kids. Let me tell you, you resist the devil in this. You do not give way to fear of what's going to come to your kids. If you love your kids, God loves your kids greater than you love your kids. And if you're serving the Lord... Oh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You better believe that God will wrap those people up and hold them under the palm of his hand. And even if they try and run from God, they'll be turned around and brought right back in Jesus' name. Hey, somebody. I'm living proof of that. My mom prayed. All these people died. All my friends dying. But it's like I couldn't even kill myself. And I tried and the devil tried. But I walked out of everything unscathed. Why? Because there is a legacy in the church. And he said, the blessing, the blessing is to a thousand generations. What I start in you, says the Lord, does not end in you. It carries on to your children's children. Oh, I have been young and I have been old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. Oh, there is a legacy in the church, and that's why the devil hates the church. He's always 20 steps behind because the generation that lived five generations back are still kicking him in the face right now. Every day reminded the only thing he's good at is failing. Woo! There's a legacy in you. There's a legacy in you. It's a legacy in you. Man, there's a vein. Why do you think Scripture traced the vein of where Christ came from? Showing you how every generation is a part of God's woven plan. Oh! I don't care if you had a pirate great-great-great-great-granddad. Because right after the pirate, God wove in a Pentecostal preacher full of fire. Oh, telling you, there's a legacy in the church. It's a legacy in the church. And I began to walk in this and realize this. Maybe it's because I hit 40, but there was a peace that started coming on me realizing some of the things that churn within my spirit, that I'm like, I see it, I see it. How do I get it? How do I get it? There came a peace upon me to know, watch what I will do with your children and your grandchildren. That what you have started, young man, is generational. And if he tarries, mm, if he tarries, you better mark the name ring. Because it's coming with the power of God. Which they're all ladies, so it'll change. I felt that. That's actually what the Lord spoke to me when I called it, this is just the beginning. Because everything that happens even in your life is just the beginning, my friend. My granddad was an alcoholic, abusive man that beat my grandmother and drank himself, was very popular, very successful, everybody loved him, but behind the scenes, miserable, drunk, 
threatened to kill my grandmother. My dad was 12 years old in a broken down home, crying out to the Lord at 12 years old, Jesus, if you're real, save me. He was terrified for his life, and the peace of God came in the room. And my dad grows up, all he's ever seen is brokenness and alcoholism, he's on his way, he's at Woodstock drinking, partying, coming back, can't remember half of it, remembers the peace that came on him in the room, says, God, I want that peace back, rolled down the window, took the pack of cigarettes, threw it out the window, God set him free, and my dad broke alcoholism off of his life, and I have broken it entirely off of my generation and my kids. The only beer they know is root beer. Hallelujah. My God. My God. It's going to get sweeter and sweeter and better and better and better onward and upward by the power of the anointing of God. God doesn't plan just a week or a year or even a life. He planned from the start of time till the end of time. Jesus, the legacy, lift your hands across the place right now. Let that come upon you right now. Let that come upon you right now. In college, they said that wealthy people think 20, 40, 50 years out. Let me tell you, you serve a father that thought hundreds and thousands of years out. And you're following his plan. So I can promise you this, any setback is just temporary because the greater, greater is still ahead for you. You're laying up an inheritance, things that you have warred to win, to partake in, to possess for the glory of God. Your children will not have to battle to possess it. The areas that you broke through to get to another level, a broke through the glass ceilings of life to break through for, for the kingdom of God. Your kids will start at the highest level you, you broke through to. That will be the platform they carry on from. That's for you in your household, and that's for the church as a whole. That every generation that presses in. Can I get someone on the keys? I feel the anointing right now. It's falling in this place right now. It's falling in this place right now. It's falling in this house. Grab a hold of that in Jesus' name. Grab a hold of it. He's faithful. He says, I am faithful. To complete the good work that I begin in you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that when you called me, you called Taylor, you called Ellie, you called Emma, you called the grandkids that'll come, you even called them men to come alongside, full of the anointing of God. You have planned for them better than I can plan for them. Let the peace of God come on you right now because one thing I can tell you what's happening right now. Times as parents, times as grandparents, did I fail my kids? Did I fail them? If, you, if they know the name of God because of you, you have not failed them. You have set them up for ultimate success because it's in His name. And though some may be running, you keep praying because I tell you when you cover them, the devil's lost his grip on their life. He's lost the grip on their life. I sought for a man that would stand in the gap. When you stand in the gap every time the devil tries to advance, he's kicked back to the curb. He's rebuked by the Almighty because you are not letting go and you are confessing. My house will serve the Lord my God. My house will serve the Lord my God. They're going to walk in what I've only dreamed of. 
They're going to carry things that I pressed and, and prophesied and declared. They're going to have those things in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's fallen in this place. It's fallen in this place. Resist the devil. Resist that lie of hell. I'm going to get your kids. I'm going to take them out. You ain't going to touch a hair on their head. <laughs> you ain't got access. You're full of smoke, bro. Keep puffing because you can't even get close to them. Might I remind you that there is a legion of angels encamped about them. That they are hidden under the shadow of the Almighty where I have placed them. For I have dedicated them unto the Lord. And His protection is better than your greatest attack. You can't even get one fiery dart to cross through. For the shield of faith that I hold up before them will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. You won't touch their mind. You won't touch their body. You won't touch their calling. You won't touch their years. You won't touch any part of their life. just the beginning <laughs> my God and I know there's people in this room that you're overwhelmed right now you've seen it you know it's true man God is faithful he is faithful his faithfulness has no end you can't exhaust my God can't wear him down, you can't catch him un unaware. He'll never slip past the protection that is on my children and on my children's children. Those you've not even met yet, God has already met. Huh. You with me? He's already met your great-grandkids. He knows them by name. Oh, he's blessed them. He's put his hand upon them. He did it before the foundation of time. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world with the plan to redeem mankind. And you, you have started something for him. And he has made you an eternal promise. I will bless the seed that comes from you. They will be blessed everywhere they go. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. I feel this by the anointing now. Resist the devil. That's what we're talking about. Victory. Taking ground. The final one is death. There is nothing to fear about death. The devil tries to threaten you in that. Oh, you better do this or you might die. Don't tempt me with a good time. You mean to tell me I could get one ticket to paradise out of this? Oh, okay. Sign me up, Bubba. You don't want to go to Pakistan. It's a war zone. Oh, you know, yeah, I do. I've got retirement plans. <laughs> Nothing to be scared of. I won't even know I'm dead because I'm not dead. I'll just change addresses. Whew. In this room right now, shared a great deal. And the service is not over. Stick with us. Holy moment right now. Though. 
you're in this place right now. We hit a few things in this room. Financially, mentally, socially. Sin in your life. The legacy, the fear of that. What will happen to my kids? Death. These areas, these strongholds, the enemy comes to hold you back in. Say, Pastor Caleb, I've broken through in some, but there's other areas I need the breakthrough in.